these two guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Chuck on Score North and scorenorth.com. Bonus episode of Mackie and Judd, and there's actually no Mackie and Judd at all. It is Goff and Depew on Talking Twins right. right now. Judd Zolgad is out at training camp. So uh, a spot start again for myself with Jake Depew, uh, my battering mate. You know, you are my Drew Butera to like what Carl Pavano was a was it was a Butera that would catch Pavano? I feel like it was. Yeah, I think that was his personal catcher. So yeah. great, and I don't yeah. mean that in a slight to you, as in like Drew, Bu- like Drew Butera was a great defensive catcher. I think he got a ring. So. Hey, he's got yeah, he's got a ring. He's had like a ten year right. MLB career. I'll take that. And I'll take Drew Butera any day. I'll be Pavano. I'll be the workhorse who will go crazy on a trash can with a bat when I get at an all time frustration, which is uh, what I almost ha- what happened last week. So yeah, I, I think both these analogies honestly work uh, work pretty well. Uh, obviously, Jake, you and I uh, dissected the trade deadline as it was happening live last Friday. So it's now it's been seventy two hours. Um, your first overall thoughts, and now that we've kind of had a few days to unplug from uh, the trade deadline that was for the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, so like you said, we covered this, you know, over the weekend or on on Friday, so we won't spend a ton of time on it. But just just my quick reactions, I guess, uh, after after thinking about it for um, for like you said, seventy two hours. I mean, the trades were very good: the Barrios trade and the Nelson Cruz trade, which obviously happened, you know, a week and a half ago or so. They were excellent trades. Uh, for the twins, I, I think they got a good haul uh, for for Cruz and a great haul for Barrios. So um, and and you know the the Jay Happ trade and the Rob, Robles trade, you know obviously those are more minor, but I have no problem with either of those trades. Um, I, I guess what I would say is they did a really good job, but it's sort of like winning a consolation championship. Right. You know what I mean? It's so like it's so like when I was growing up, I, I played a lot of tennis, and like the way a lot of those tournaments would work is if you lose then you go to what's called the back draw or like the consolation draw and you're competing for a consolation title. You know, that's kind of what the twins were doing. Like they put themselves in such a bad spot that they had no choice, but to, to sell, you know, and that's a, that's a consolation prize for sure. But, um, you know, viewing it through that lens, I do think they, they did a good job. I don't understand why they didn't move Michael Pineda. I know they talked a little bit about like wanting veteran stability or, um, you know, someone who can eat innings to me, if you can get any sort of return for him. And I think they probably could have, um, I would move him. Same with Andrelton Simmons, although it sounds like they didn't really get many offers or any offers at all, possibly for him. But, um, but yeah, so overall, uh, given the circumstances, a good trade le- deadline for the Twins for sure. But it's disappointing, obviously, that they were in this position at all. Absolutely. What do you think? I know. And, and that just goes to show how disappointing 2021 was. Um, you and I talked on Friday about how this was... This is the GM and front offices, you know, Falvin's era. This is their best trade deadline yet. And it's unfortunate that it was their best trade deadline yet because they literally had to be sellers. Um, They get a bunch of prospects in here and, you know, maybe in a year or two, we'll be able to evaluate these guys and see if it really was a a win trade. Uh, The Athletic earlier today, Jim Bowden put out trade grades for every team from the trade deadline and he gave the Twins an A. He gave the Twins an A for their trade deadline and... Just uh, summing up what he said, he said Minnesota did an excellent job of retooling for the future, netting four good prospects in the trades with the Blue Jays and Rays. It's difficult for fans to see them trade Barrios, but they weren't going to extend him past 2022, so they traded him when his value was at his highest, and they got a solid return in Martin Woods Richardson, who now rate in the top five of Minnesota's prospects. So, I mean, Jake, would would you also agree, if you were evaluating it, that the Twins probably, would you give them an A grade for uh, their MLB trade deadline moves? 
I would. Again, viewing it through the lens of it's super disappointing that they're that they're mm-hmm. in the spot. I would give them an A. I really would. Um, or, or maybe an A minus because I, I don't understand why they didn't move Pineda. Um, but in terms of the Barrios and Cruz trades, those were A trades for sure. I mean, they they really restocked their, their farm system, which was already in pretty good shape. Uh, but they got a number of promising arms in those trades. And then obviously Austin Martin um, is, you know, a legit. I mean, he's a stud, you know, he's a top 25 consensus global uh, a prospect. So, yeah, A A or maybe an A minus. What about Absolutely. you? Yeah, I, I'm probably an A minus, too. You know, it's just like when people do, you know, NFL draft grades the day afterwards. And it's like, I mean, you can we can obviously put in theory and we can look at prospect boards and we can look at who reached and who, you know, who's able to get a haul for this pick or whatnot. But I think in general, when you look at it, you, you traded Nelson Cruz and Jose Barrios, the two guys who were you were most likely to trade as the deadline crept up. Um, you get four prospects, three of them being pitchers, uh, two of them that who could be helping us, helping the Twins, I should say, in in, in the coming weeks, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, I think in general, yeah, it was an A minus. I'm proud of them that they were able to do this. I feel you that it is disappointing because they had to literally sell off after such a promising off season and promising last few seasons of baseball at Target Field that it turned into this, and it's basically going to be a retool year going forward. And we really don't know when the Twins are going to be returning to contention again. Uh, but in general, I, I think it was an A grade as well. I do. Um, for sure. Jake, you also sent a note to me last night that, well, what the heck do we watch for for the rest of the season? You know, the trade deadline <laughs> came and went. This team is uh, significantly under 500. There's still, what, eight weeks left or so, seven weeks, give or take, of, of Major League Baseball regular season left yeah. to play. Um, what are the things that you are watching for outside of the wins and loss record uh, for the Twins over these next two months? Yeah, so I'm definitely having a. I'm definitely coming down from the the trade deadline high because like that was the last like super interesting thing I think that's probably going to happen this season. Um, yeah, I mean the next that that's what sucks about about trading at the deadline and being out of contention is that those final two months are a slog and there's not a ton to watch for um, or a ton to be excited about. But but three things that that I do think are are interesting. First, Buxton's return. You know, I mean, it. You know, we were talking about Byron Buxton almost in the past tense, like like he's out for the year, or he's going to be traded. Like it's going to be weird. He's going to come back and he's going to play more games for the Twins uh, this season. And so, you know, it, just from a fan perspective, I'm interested to, to see how he does. But um, also, his performance will dictate what kind of extension offer he gets, at least to some extent, in the offseason, or if they trade him, which I really hope they don't. Uh, what kind of return they could get for him. So um, I think that's number one on my list, just because I love to watch him play, but also because of the implications for either an extension, uh, a contract extension or uh, a trade. Um, what else am I looking for? Brent Rooker. So mm-hmm. so Brent, Brent Rooker has been hitting really well since his most recent call up. Um, and, you know, he's a guy, he's, he's a really interesting bat. Um, he, he has a really good understanding of hitting a really advanced approach. The problem with Rooker is that his defense is is pretty bad. It's pretty mediocre. I think he profiles really as a DH, um, you know, or a, a, a poor corner outfielder. And so that means he has to really, really hit. You know what I mean? Like if right. he was a good defensive outfielder, uh, he could get away with an OPS around maybe seven in the 750 to 800 range at a corner spot. Uh, but because of his limitations on defense, I think his OPS needs to be more in that kind of 800 to 850 range for him to be a serviceable, you know, everyday MLB player. Um, so I I want to see how he does. I think they should give him a ton of at-bats over the next two months. I think he should be an everyday player. I want to see whether he can put up the numbers uh, that he would need to put up to, to you know, be maybe the, maybe the DH next year or maybe compete for either a bench roll or one of those corner outfield spots, um, which is probably less likely because they're 
assuming they don't trade Kepler, which is possible, but if they don't trade him, they'll have Kepler and Kirilov uh, and Larnik. So it's going to be tough for him, but he could compete for the DH spot for sure. So I'm, I'm interested to see how Rooker does. Um, and then just September call-ups. Obviously, it's going to be a little different this year. There are, there are only two additional roster spots as opposed to years past when they could, teams could just call up as many guys as they want. This year, it's just going to go up from 26 to 28. But I want to see if they call up Jose Miranda. My guess is they won't because they won't want to start the service time clock on him. But I really hope that they do because he certainly deserves it. He could be the everyday third baseman if they end up trading Josh Donaldson in the offseason as soon as next year. His numbers in AAA are insane. I mean, and they were in AA as well, and the glove is very good. So I hope they call it Miranda. I would love to see him. Um, other guys, obviously, Joe Ryan, Drew Strotman. And then if if Duran and Belazovic uh, get up here at some point, get up to the big leagues, I, I would love to 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 look at them, you know, and get mm-hmm. a look at them. So, I mean, the Twins have a ton of guys in AA and AAA who are kind of on the brink. And so we might see some of them. Hopefully we'll see some of them um, in September Otherwise, next year. But yeah, those are those are three things: Buxton, Rooker, and then and then some of these prospects that that hopefully will will emerge. What yeah, about you? To to your Brent Rooker point, I mean, that was a guy I was watching in spring training, and that was someone else too. That you know, a few deadlines ago, especially in 2019, I thought that was going to be the guy they would move uh, to possibly get a bat. And his power is obviously legit. The dude can obviously hit some baseballs. Probably best served as a DH and never touching the field if you, unless it's under emergency conditions. Although Tampa Bay is putting Nelson Cruz at first base as well. I saw at least once or twice since he's been requ- uh, been acquired by them as well. Um, oh, have they? Have they really? I he's think played the, first base? I think he has played. He, he got in there for first base and was excited to play it. I know that. So, like, he's actually, they're, at least they're toying with the idea that he could play some first base, which is just hilarious to me. But and he's open yeah. to it, but uh, it, it, I mean, it sounds like a butcher. It does not sound like a good idea. Everyone remembers what happened for him in left field in like the 2011 World Series. So I would hope he doesn't have to play first base. Uh, but, but anyway, with back, back to the Twins and Rooker, um, yeah, I, I think he's the one prospect that we all saw that was basically major league ready. He was on the bubble of making the team um, out of spring training last year with Kyle Garlick getting the last spot. But I, I want to see if his power is legit. Yeah, you have to offset it. It's basically like um, you know when the Twins had Josh Willingham. You know, yeah, he won a Silver Slugger in 2012, but he was a butcher in the field and probably should have never been playing 100 plus games at a premium position in left field. But obviously, those Twins teams were so bad that like, all right, whatever. Uh, but I think Rooker is definitely someone I want to watch. The other two guys that I'm I'm kind of looking on a loop into one is number one is Max Kepler. Is, is Max Kepler going to be able to be remain consistent and put his injury first half riddled season behind him and be the Max Kepler that we know, which is still, again, that perplexing guy who has great pop, is athletic, draws walks, but then will never hit above 230. You know, like, can he actually put that batting average into a, a, a better spot? Um, and then, look, he's been he's been playing a lot. He's been playing a lot better recently. It's Miguel Sano. And I know it's, again, that's platoon, and they're using it situationally. I think he finished the month of July with like an 850 OPS. Um, now this is also classic Miguel Sano. He will do this. He'll put 30 games together that you think and over a 30,000 foot view and go, Oh my God, this is great. He's back. And then he could go another 30 games where he is obviously unplayable to the point where he has to be platooned, which is what the twins have been deploying um, him for the last few months. And if both those two can keep it consistent for the rest of the season and up their value, I think it's a given one, if not both of them gets moved. Um, if if they can get rid of some, actually, you should probably actually get something for Kepler. You wouldn't sell low on Max Kepler, and nor should you. But if 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 Sano can keep this up, I mean that that would be something that could hopefully help his trade value, and you wouldn't have to completely just eat salary and say goodbye to him. I would say he's like the most intriguing one to watch from guys that probably, if he can say it consistent for the rest of the year, 
if you can trade him this winter, I would absolutely pull the trigger on and I wouldn't wait and say he can do it again over 162 games in 2022. For sure. And the Sano, watching Sano will be really interesting. And this is kind of his pattern. It takes him a long time. And obviously this year, it, like it's, you know, worth what, three and a half months into the season or whatever. But like it takes him a long time to get warmed up. But we saw in 2019, he can put together really good second halves. Um, and so if he, you know, his OPS is up to, I think, somewhere around 750 now. If he can up that into the 800s, uh, by season's end, then I think you're right. I think maybe you could get something for him, or at least you have a little more confidence. Um, I know Judd hates this idea, but he's not here, so whatever. Um, yeah. You have a little more confidence of uh, putting him in as the as the everyday DH to start the season next year. And then if he, you know, is really bad to start the season, then maybe at that point you just cut ties since it'll be the last year of his deal. But um, he, yeah, you're absolutely right. He's got a lot to prove. Um, uh, he, he has to show both the twins and any team that would maybe want to trade for him that, you know, he can still go on these extended hot streaks, um, which make his overall numbers, you know, look decent. Cause we haven't seen the extended hot streak from snow yet. We've seen a little bit, you know, we've seen a week or so, but he hasn't put together that month long stretch that he did in, you know, 2017 or 2019, where it was really three or four months. Um, he hasn't done that at all, you, you know? So um, there are some signs that he's, that he's breaking out a little bit. Uh, and if he can continue to do that, it'll be good for him and good for the Twins. The Meadows at Mystic Lake is hosting the 2021 Land Lakes Legends Classic, August 6th and 7th. See some of the greatest names in the history of women's golf as they compete in the inaugural Land of Lakes Legends Classic presented by the Meadows at Mystic Lake. The Legends of the LPGA Tour is known for its fan-friendly environment with lots of opportunities for autographs, limited roping, and photo ops after the rounds. To learn more about the August 6th and 7th event, stop in or visit golfthemeadows.com. That's golfthemeadows.com. Owned and operated by the Shakopee Minwakanton Sioux community. Absolutely. Uh, looking at the prospects that the Twins should probably be watching, because now all of a sudden, yeah, this, this minor league prospect system looks pretty damn good. I believe I saw the Twins are now the only team with five players in the top 100 MLB prospect pipeline right now. I know Royce Lewis has a lost season tearing his ACL, uh, but in general, now all of a sudden the Twins have a decent amount of prospects. And look, prospects are still a crapshoot. They're lottery tickets. All these top 10 prospects the Twins have, you know, best case scenario, three of them turn into what their ceiling is, and realistically only one of them will. Uh, but I think the one that at least I w- I'm excited to watch, and I, I hope when he gets back here soon after the Olympics, but I want to go down to St. Paul and watch Joe Ryan. Um, I think he's the one that intrigues me the most. Uh, he's probably the one who's maybe the most major league ready or who, or even could be a September call-up this uh, th- this coming September. Uh, I, I watched him a little bit at the Olympics. His last start out earlier last week, he looked pretty good. Yeah, um, I know there's a lot. Of, there's some concern that because it's just such a such, such a heavy fastball pitcher, doesn't have the strong secondary stuff. Um, but I do think he's someone that I'm really really excited to watch at St. Paul, and I'm curious to see if the Twins would make the decision to call him up in September, either as a starter or as possibly a swingman. Because I know that the jury's kind of out on where he will actually fall as an MLB player. Uh, but I think I think of all the prospects that they acquired that I'm able to see too. By the way, um, I think Joe Ryan's the one that I'm most curious about. For sure. And and I know we hit on this um, on Friday, but if you are, uh, you know, a Twin Cities resident and you can get down to St. Paul, it's going to be a really fun time to go to Saints games. And I know that's not encouraging if you're a Twins fan, because it means you've got a bunch of prospects who, uh, you know, aren't at the big league level yet. But like the Saints are going to have a lot of talent come through there this year and next year between, like you said, Joe Ryan, Royce Lewis and Austin Martin should be there next year. Uh, Woods Richardson. Balazovic, Duran's already there. I know he's hurt, but Josh Winder's there, Strotman, uh, Jose Miranda. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, there are a ton of guys and that is something that's really encouraging when you talk about this rebuild and I don't want to call it a retool because I think it is more rebuild. Um, I know that's semantics, but, um, but one thing that is encouraging is that all these top guys or at least the majority of their top guys in their system are at either double A AA or triple A. So it's not like, you know, they've got a bunch of really highly rated prospects who just got drafted, you know, or, or in like low A, right? Like all these guys are, are knocking on the door and some of them like Stratman are already on the 40 men. So um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 they've got both the position player side and the, the pitching side. There are a lot of really intriguing names like Royce Lewis and Austin Martin to me are kind of the same type of player. They don't hit for a ton of power. I think Lewis hits for a little bit more um, than Martin does, but like they get on base, they have speed and they can play multiple defensive positions. You know, they can play center field, shortstop, second base, uh, kind of in that Nick Gordon mold, but obviously their ceiling is higher probably than, than Gordon. I'm really excited to watch those two guys. I know we won't get to see Royce until next year, but um, I think those two are really interesting. Could that could make this twins team really fun in, in 22 and 23. Cause they're, they're going to be super athletic. You know, when you talk about Martin and Lewis and, and Gordon and obviously Buxton, right? Like they're going to have a fun team. That's not just about, you know, hitting the ball over the fence, you know, like Austin Martin has an OBP an on-base percentage that's like over 420, mm-hmm. you know, and this is his first year of pro ball. He's, he debuted in double A and like, he's getting on base at a 420 clip. That's hard to do. You know, that's really impressive. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think on both sides, again, position player and, and pitching, uh, there's a lot of intriguing talent. The, the problem is if you're hoping to compete in 2022 and you look at their projected rotation without Barrios, it's hard to see them competing f- for that reason. Right. But if, if you can't be good, at least be interesting. And fun, you know, and I think next year's team and, to, and 2023 will be that because of all these athletic um, prospects that they have coming up. I'm trying to remember what the, just like off the top of my head, what the opening day, opening season, right, rotation was for the Minnesota Twins. What was it? Barrios, and, and no order Pineda. to, by the way, Barrios, Pineda, um, Maeda. Maeda. So, yep. Hap, Hap and, Shoe- and, and Shoemaker. Shoemaker. So, Hap, yeah. Hap and Shoemaker, gone. Pineda or uh, Burrios gone. Um, Pineda's a free agent. Like, are, do you think it's probably a safe assumption that next season's opening rotation, there's going to be four completely new names into that rotation that weren't there from just a season ago? I do. I do. I mean, I think Maeda will still be there. I, I don't think they can trade him at this point because of what mm-hmm. you just laid out. Like, you got to have at least one established guy, right? Um, maybe part of the reason they held on to Pineda is to sign him to an extension. He's been a solid pitcher. He also misses a ton of time. Like he's missed a ton of time for a lot of different reasons. He doesn't go deep into games. But if you want like a, a bridge, you know, a guy in a bridge year in 2022, maybe it makes sense to, to re-sign Pineda to a one-year deal. Um, but yeah, but if we're assuming Pineda's gone, uh, then it's really Maeda and a combination of prospects and any free agent starters that they that they bring in. I don't see them paying, you know, a boatload of money to a really big name free agent. Um for a season that in which they're unlikely to compete. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we're going to see if everybody's healthy, I think next year we'll see Duran in p- perhaps the opening day starting rotation. Uh, you could see Balazovic. He's maybe a little far, farther, uh, further away, but Joe Ryan um, and Josh Winder, I think both have a pretty good chance. Um, and then you go a little deeper into the system, like Cole Sands, Chris Valamont, um, so that there are going to be a ton of guys competing for spots. And I expect to, 
to see sort of a revolving door in 2022 with a lot of these young prospects getting called up and, and getting um, a shot in the big leagues. But yeah, I, I think, um, I think it is going to be, a, a, there's going to be a lot of new names in that, in that rotation. And that's unfortunately um, as promising as those prospects are, you, you don't expect them all to succeed right away. And that's part of the reason I don't think they're going to really compete in 2022. Cause I just don't think the pitching is there, but, but we will see a lot of exciting talent. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, just looking at, it uh, the free agent starting pitchers for next season. Obviously, the big dogs, you know, like and a lot of these guys are older in age. You know, Zach Greinke, uh, Trevor Bauer, I believe, has a player option, and God knows what the hell's going to happen with him. That's a completely yeah, different story. Yeah. Uh, Justin Verlander's a free agent. Uh, Max Scherzer's a big free agent. Uh, Marcus Stroman uh, could potentially be a free agent. There, there's like a lot of these mid tier guys too. After that, like Drew Smiley, Danny Duffy, Alex Cobb. Like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this is going to be a lot of like kind of the 2013 Mike Pelfrey, Kevin Correa throw you throw you a bunch of money in two Oof. years. Like I just filling out that rotation, you know, I, I don't see them just throwing in Bailey over and saying, all right, it's his job. And like, they're going to clearly sign probably two or three starting pitchers and overpay for them just because they need an arm and they need bodies in there. You know, like I, I remember, what was it like in 2007, 2008, when finally like those twins pitching prospects were given opportunities, you know, Scott Baker, Kevin slowly, Nick Blackburn. And that was fine. You know, it, it was it was all right. Those were serviceable pitchers. They they didn't miss a lot of bats. It was a different era too. It's back then in the MLB. But I don't really see a situation where the Twins just basically roll out Winder and Joe Ryan and Bailey Ober. Like I can see that from a cost effective move, and I understand why that would work. But I'd be shocked if they just plugged all five of those, you know, four out of those five spots with their own internal guys and said, "Well, here you go, go Buck, and this is it, and this is going to be our rotation." I would have to imagine they probably add at least two free agent starting pitchers of the rotation. Yes, I, I agree. And I think it'll be more from that kind of second tier of like Drew Smiley and some of those other names that you talked about, as opposed to the the, the big names like Scherzer. Um, but I, I agree with you. And I think the reason that's true also is because the way the twins uh, monitor innings, uh, you know, um, like you, you're seeing it with Bailey Ober this year, that they're really, really conservative with him. Uh, I think they pulled him in St. Louis after four innings and like 60 pitches. Um, and the Twins aren't the only team that does that, to be fair. I mean, most teams are doing that. But but with how conservative they are with their young arms, you can't expect to just plug three or four young arms in on, on opening day um, and say, you know, go pitch 200 innings for us or whatever, you know? So like, um, so I, I think my earlier comment about you'll see a bunch of those guys in the opening day rotation, that's, that's probably actually not accurate. I think you'll see a bunch of those guys by May or June of 2022, assuming there's a season, but you're right. I think they need to sign a couple of vets to eat innings early on in the season because they're, you know, they're going to, there's no way somebody like Jordan uh, Balazovic is going to pitch anywhere near 200 innings next year. You know, it's probably closer to 100 and the same with Duran, you know, who's, who's shut down right now. So like, it's going to be a lot of kind of mixing and matching and, and uh, you know, maybe bring guys up for, you know, six or eight start stints and then giving them a, a rest, you know, putting them on the IL or whatever. Like, uh, and so I think we'll probably start the season with, yeah, a couple of those Drew Smiley types and then, you know, mix in some of, some of the prospects, you know, as we move through the season. I got you. Uh, last thing here, Jake, and just, again, this is just the next two, week, two months of the season. We're going to see a lot of this. We're going to be questioning still some things. Of all the veterans and all the players that will get a lot more run, um, Andre Elton Simmons, a guy who was not moved to the trade deadline, and I'm surprised the Twins just didn't even take a, like, not even just a top, it's not like he was going to get you a top 10 prospect, but you're telling me like the Cincinnati Reds or some team couldn't give you their 18th to 19th, 20th prospect, but clearly 
all these competing te- uh, teams that are competitive that are leading their division, their all shortstop situation is, is I guess, taken care of. So that's probably wise. I answer my own question. But as these next two months go on, you know, I would rather see Nick Gordon get more at-bats and get more run at shortstop than Andre Elton Simmons, who at the time when they signed him said, oh, this is great, uh, one of the best defensive shortstop, honestly, of all time, on a team that's ready to win and can plug and play, and his bat's not anything special, but okay, he, he plays the most maybe the most important position on the baseball diamond at shortstop. But now for the next two months, like, is, is there really any point to be playing Andre Elton Simmons every single day? No, and and I'm I I'm shocked they didn't move him. It, it is possible they just literally didn't get any offer f- uh, for him because his numbers, his offensive numbers are so bad. But like, I didn't understand playing him every day, honestly. In like July, you know, in the season, I, I get that maybe they were trying to showcase him for a potential trade partner. But like now that that he's still on the roster after the trade deadline, there is really zero reason to play him every day. And I think he played all three of those games in St. Louis. And I just don't understand that. Like, I get, you know, you're paying him a lot of money. If, if you want to keep him on the team because he's good defensively and can help some of the younger pitchers and, um, you know, maybe he steps in there two or three times a week, then that's one thing. But, like, w- you know, there's obviously wins and losses don't mean anything anymore. So, like, why is he still starting every day? Let's see what Nick Gordon can do at shortstop. I know a lot of evaluators say he can't stick there, and that's fine. But if he's going to be, like, the super utility guy who you're going to plug in at shortstop at least some of the time, then he should be getting reps there, you know? Um, so to me, Simmons should just be a bench player at this point um, and, and nothing more, you know? I mean, play all the young guys, you know, especially Nick Gordon. Like Nick Gordon, again, like he needs to prove that he can be a super utility guy. He also needs to prove that he can play every day and stay healthy because that's that's been an issue for him. And I know he had some, you know, GI stuff and, and things like that, that he's now gotten under control. But like, that's one of the things he needs to prove, not just that he can stick in terms of the numbers he posts at, you know, at the MLB level, but that he can actually be an everyday player. So like, let's see it, you know? Um, so yeah, and Jolton Simmons is fine, I guess, if you want to keep him on the roster now that you haven't traded him, but uh, there's no reason that he needs every day at bats right now. I just pulled up uh, Andre Elton Simmons' game log on baseball reference. Uh, his last 37 games, 121 at bats. He is slashing 182, 233, 223. Uh, if you can't do quick fly on the math, that uh, math on the fly, that is 456 OPS. So that is, I, I, I want to know if there's qualified players for 120 at bats, that might be one of the lowest in all of baseball. So th- there is literally zero point. It'd be one thing if he was a vet and he was still hitting a little bit and you know what you're getting out of his glove, but th- that is unplayably bad. Like, and I know the Twins are not a good baseball team right now either, but that OPS and those numbers are terrible. Absolutely terrible. And that's probably part of the reason that, unfortunately, that they couldn't move him, you know, uh, because those numbers were just so bad. So No, I feel you. Yeah, as I, I, it was so bad it froze my screen because I, I was puzzled that it, <laughs> he couldn't even muster an OPS of 600. 456 OPS in his last um, 37 games. Uh, Jake Tepew, any final thoughts here as we uh, wrap up on Talking Twins and anything else that you need to vent or get out of your system as we uh, wrap up? I don't think so. I think I think my final thought would be um, if anybody has any questions, you know, because it, it's going to be kind of a different podcast now, you yeah. know, uh, over these final, uh, you know, eight weeks or whatever. So if anybody has any questions, uh, you know, feel free to submit them to, to me or Dex on Twitter or wherever. Uh, and maybe we can have, you know, one of these podcasts be kind of like a mailbag type yeah. of thing. Um, 
because I think that might be interesting. But yeah, other than that, you know, we're past the trade deadline now. Uh, they 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 did a good job to to replenish their system, and uh, now it's just a matter of uh, getting through this year, and and hopefully we'll see some of these prospects come up in in September. Absolutely, I know. I I, I only made it out to as a fan. I think only two games at Target Field this year. Um, I think the last one I was at was the the almost no hitter by J. A. Happ. Um, or I guess what his only crowning moment here in Minnesota. Uh, and then even covering games, I, I totally tapped out by like the middle of May. I was like, well, this is just not fun. This is just not fun to watch this team. But you know what? Summer's been nice. It's been a hot summer. And that's another thing that I think even more frustrating. Like this is, I know you're in Boston. This has been the hottest and most perfect baseball summer to be at an outdoor <sighs> ballpark, drinking beer and having a dog and enjoying the festivities. And of course, yeah. it's the first time in 10 years, I guess maybe in five years too, that this team is un- un- even unwatchably bad. It's so bad. So, I'm going to try to make it out to more Twins games, and I'm excited to get it out to more Twins games, especially as prospects come up. Then I'll definitely be going more. Uh, but yeah, that's my final thought, too. I'm still going to try to make it out to Target Field a little bit more after not making it out over the last few months. That's my goal. My absolute goal. Absolutely. Target Field, is no matter how bad the team is, it's, it's still a great place it to is. take in a game. Great ballpark. Yeah. Uh, Jake DePew, we will talk next Monday. Thank you for hanging out with me. Uh, this has been Talking Twins.